folks. Welcome to the Friday Show with Dustin here on the Culture Jacked Podcast. And today on the show, we're going to be talking a little bit about Uber and Lyft drivers not being employees of Uber and Lyft in California, uh, a little bit about the digital generation of games and how Amazon plans to make an online Australia for those people that it deems criminals <laughs> in, in its online gaming platforms. But before uh, we get into all that, as is tradition here on the Friday show, I have to ask, where is the Black Widow movie? When is this thing going to stream on Disney Plus? We've waited long enough. Bring us Black Widow, please, please. I, I I hope you guys can tell, but I've kind of been tinkering with my audio just a little bit, and I've been trying to get it to sound a little less like I'm making love to a jar of mayonnaise every time, every time I turn on this microphone to record this episode. I adjusted the gain. I turned the gain down a little bit, and I don't know why. Maybe I lean forward, and the saliva rushes to the front of my mouth, and so there's this guttural ASMR mouth-smacking noise that happens every time I record the show. So hopefully this has solved it. This has done done the deed. Uh, But if it hasn't, then I will be able to hear it as well as you, and I apologize but I'm not. I'm just not the kind of guy that's going to record an episode uh, twice. So this show, I was almost not going to have existed, much to the dismay of myself and of Anthony. We're getting a, a good track record going on with our shows, and I I just couldn't quite put the finishing touches on a a planned piece that I had uh, for the show. Uh, today, so that will be coming at another time as I as I finish that up nicely. So I'm just gonna I'm gonna go through some of the news pieces actually today that I had intended to share at the beginning of of my grand piece that I it's it's the my piece de resistance. So uh, some <laughs> some news to start out the show. Uh, the Snyder Cut Justice League trailer was removed from YouTube due to an issue over uh, music rights. And everyone that saw that trailer and did any paid any attention to kind of the aftermath of it as Zack Snyder was kind of up his own ass about using the Hallelujah song in the trailer. Uh, apparently, they didn't go through the right channels and get the right permissions and licenses to use that that song. So the trailer was removed. It was taken down. Most likely it'll be back up. Uh, and though I I have created things on YouTube before, I have never had a thing on YouTube be monetized. But I know people that have. I know Anthony has. I know that uh, my cousin, Good Chaos, has. And if you if you share a thing that you do not have the appropriate licenses for you at the very least will get demonetized or the, the money, the, the ad revenue from that video will go to whoever has claimed it until you can dispute the strike. Or in this case, maybe the, 
maybe the thing just gets taken down and removed until it's returned. I'm sure Warner Brothers and Zack Snyder and HBO are going to figure out what they what they didn't have, what they need, and, and get what they need to get it back back up. Um, there is a, there is a fair use that can be applied to using other works if it is uh, transformative in nature, if you make something new out of it and, and you're not just selling someone else's creation. And if you're doing that, you know, there's uh, accreditations that need to, to take place and you need to make sure that people are, are duly recognized for the work that they put in making, I won't say unoriginal content, but using other people's work to create content yourself can be a tricky, can be a tricky business. Now, Anthony and I have long described and and lamented our inability to get a pre-order for a new Xbox Series X, but some lucky people did. Some of those YouTube people, some of those people on the internet that have thousands and, and millions of people that follow them were able to get review consoles out early, um, you know, because they're influencers and they drive sales. And if your favorite, your favorite YouTuber, your favorite Instagram model has one of these things, you're going, that's another, that's another push that they can have to get the console into your house and, you know, get your dollars out of your wallets and into the coffers of Microsoft and Sony. Um, and of course, we here at Culture Jack got review copies, uh, review consoles as well. Uh, unfortunately, I haven't been able to play the Xbox Series X that we were given because Anthony has been bogarting it all weekend. So, uh, Anthony, if you can send that thing my way, I think you've had enough time with it. Let's let's take turns. And if you guys haven't listened to it on uh, the Monday Madness show, Anthony did a great he did a great deep dive on um, Todd McFarlane. And Image Comics and where Image Comics and the other big comic distributors kind of overlapped and what he did for an industry and for a generation of creators to help them actually profit off of their own work. So if you haven't listened to the Monday Madness episode, you know, go back and listen to that one. I'm just talking about some goofy, goofy news here. Uh, There has been a leak online of the PlayStation 5's operating system showing the size of the storage space that's available on the system's solid-state drive. So the the amount of storage space that you, once you purchase one of these things, has access to. And there were a lot of reports earlier because it was touted to have a 1 gigabyte storage space, and then PlayStation 5 by themselves said that players would have access to about 825 gigabytes of storage because of course some of the storage needs to be uh, cordoned off for the operating system uh, of the of the system and similarly to the PlayStation 5 uh, Xbox has a reduced storage size as well and it was reported back in September that the Series X is going to have about 800 two gigabytes of system storage from down from its advertised one gigabyte. So this is not unique to PlayStation five. Um, 
they both will have reduced reduced sizes because of the storage required for the operating systems. And maybe in, in the case of PlayStation 5, I guess a lot of the review consoles had Astro's Playground on them. Uh, but this leak has shown a screenshot of one of the pre- preview PlayStation 5s where it clearly shows that the total storage is 667 gigabytes. So it, 100, 130 gigabytes, 150 gigabytes less than the initial assumption of that 825 gigabytes. And that is well below advertised. And another shocking revelation came with these consoles uh, this week to say that the Xbox Series S, the smaller of the series consoles, the reported 500 gigabytes of storage will only be about 364 gigabytes uh, for games and apps. So for the Xbox, it's going, you're going to have to uh, get the proprietary Xbox expansion for that. And I, I don't think I'm going to get one right away. I I thought that I was going to, but they are going to be $200 for one terabyte. I don't know how much, they're going to go down in price? Probably not a lot, I anticipate. But I, I am looking forward to, at some point, maybe next year, if they come out with a, a two terabyte. Something that I can have just a little bit more on it. Because, you know, I don't know about you guys. But Anthony and I, we grew up in a time where to have multiple games on your PlayStation console, you would have to have multiple multiple memory cards and you could fit 10 15 game saves on a memory card and you'd have this stack of five or six memory cards that you'd have to shuffle through to get to the right games and then in some cases when you couldn't afford another memory card you'd have to you'd have to delete the saves of your previous games and so it, it's it's I'm I'm getting a little bit of PTSD to be honest with you. Some I'm getting some nightmare flashbacks of that kind of thing, perhaps and potentially happening here in this generation of gaming. And I don't I don't want it. I would like to get a bigger memory card storage I can stick in the Xbox, leave there, and have my games on it. Now, of course, with the PlayStation Five, uh, they're they're compatible with other external memory devices. And then the Xbox Series X and S will be compatible with other external memory um, for their older games. Not for the series games, but for the older games that you do want to install and play on your new Xbox. And storage is a real issue because games are not getting smaller. I just updated Apex Legends. Season 7's out, by the way. It's amazing. If you play Apex Legends and you haven't jumped in in a while, there's a new map out, Olympus, a new character, Horizon, and I don't know, it's so much fun. It, anytime a new season drops for anything, it it gets a boost, but I think I can say that this the map, it feels bigger. Like It, it feels like you don't run into other squads as much. So maybe that's a not a not a great thing, but but it's a whole lot of fun. Anyway, the games are not getting smaller is what I'm saying. And I have made the intentional choice to go completely digital for this upcoming generation. I and I I intend to stay completely digital for the next generation. 
Now, that can be a, a scary thing because people, especially gamers, collectors, people in kind of these nerd circles that we swim in, they tend to be collectors and they don't want to have a thing that they're going to lose. They want to buy it and have it and it be theirs. And I have a digital collection on my Xbox in the Microsoft ecosystem. So now I am wholly dependent upon Microsoft's success. I have to make sure that they stay alive so that my game library stays alive with it. Now, there's there's not any real fear that Microsoft is going to go under anytime soon. They're a huge corporation with bil- billions of dollars. Um, but it, I mean, it does like there is that thing in the back of my mind going, I can't just pick up an old system, dust it off, throw a cartridge in it, and then be able to play some of my old favorite games. And that got me got me to thinking there if there isn't already, there should be a digital library or digital museum that archives older games. Now, whether it's 10 years old or 20 years old, when the developers and the publishers let them off and let them out of their, out of their, I guess, respective ecosystems into this library because some of these games are going to be lost. And of course, multiplayer games when servers are shut down aren't going to be able to be played. But these are works of art. And to have them just disappear because a gaming service went under or it didn't last. What original games are going to be made available on Stadia or on Luna or Apple Games that aren't going to survive when those, (laughs) when those services inevitably go under. We've got to save games and we've got to save movies and we've got to save music like we save books and like we archive books. These are the collective works of humankind. And I think those things being put out into the world should be available. I'm, and it's constantly, it's constantly being refreshed. Uh, the amount of, I don't know, maybe there should be some vetting process to it. And, and this is all just pie in the sky stuff. I mean, maybe, maybe someone's doing it already. I don't know. I didn't look into it, but it got me thinking that I'm dependent upon Microsoft to keeping their service alive so I can continue playing the games that I like on the system that I like. So, uh, I talked about it earlier. I said that uh, Amazon's looking to make a digital online Australia. Amazon has found kind of a unique way to deal with toxic players and bullying on the internet. And they have patented a mechanism that only allows toxic players to play with one another. So if you're a hacker, if you're, you like to talk a lot of shit, um, it, the, the, the thing that they, they've patented is called behavior aware player selection for multiplayer electronic games. It's like an online Australia, right? Cause that's what Australia was. Australia was a place that, uh, Britain sent all of their, all of their criminals. And so it was a criminal Island. And so that's basically what this sounds like anyway, 
so I don't know how it would work exactly, uh, whether they're, I mean, they'd have to be identified as a toxic player to begin with. And that would just be through a, a normal player's report or maybe several players. And they continue to report them and they see this pattern of behavior and they get that label and they say, okay, you're toxic. <laughs> and so all these people with aim bots are just mowing each other down and then the game is no fun for them like they have made it no fun for everyone else they play. I think it's a great idea. I think it allows them, it, it, it gets rid of that censorship problem. You know, how everyone's worried about if you limit the things that people can say in online games, if you limit what kinds of interactions that are allowed in online games, well, then you are a, a terrible dictator who wants to suspend freedom of speech and censor every word that's being said. And, oh, my God, we live in an Orwellian nightmare that cannot be remedied. But if you put all of these nonsense people together with other nonsense people, they still have that right to be as much of an asshole as they want to say anything as politically incorrect as they want with other people who are the same. And then they wouldn't get reported, no one would get their feelings hurt, and then they wouldn't get upset that they were being suspended or banned or have a, a microphone uh, ban or something along those lines. I think it's a great idea, Amazon. Everyone should pick it up. My only concern is, what if, what if you get sent to online Australia and you don't, you don't deserve to be there? Is there a path to redemption? Is there parole? <laughs> is, there, is there time off for good behavior? We will have to see how this goes. And I, I don't know. It's probably going to be an exclusive product for Luna. However, if it works well, I wouldn't be surprised if other gaming companies and systems picked it up. GameStop was in a little bit of hot water. Did you guys hear about that? With their TikTok challenge? I've been watching a few TikToks lately. That's... There's some funny people out there. But GameStop, they put out a, it was a dance challenge on TikTok for employees to win. And this is a quote, the winner of the challenge will receive an Echo 8, Echo Auto, $100 Visa gift card, and 10 additional labor hours to use during Black Friday week. The post read, imagine what you could do with those prizes. And so GameStop, they get a lot of backlash online for offering more work to their employees on a very, very busy week, probably the busiest weekend of the year. And uh, so they pulled the challenge. They said, all right, so fine. <laughs> we won't reward our employees with extra work. And you know, some people might like that. They might need a couple extra hours. Uh, and I'm sure they're, they're better compensated during black Friday. They get, you know, probably a little bit better wages to deal with the extra stresses added on, but where's the trip to Hawaii or the brand new car, man, come on, GameStop, you can do better and you can do, do better. Cause you have done some other cheeky things before, like when coronavirus was at its peak, and the shutdowns were happening. And the only businesses that were staying open were those that were deemed essential. I think we've talked about this on Culture Jack before. 
GameStop refused to close several of its location because they claimed that they were an essential business. Now, I, I don't think I can personally think of a storefront of a, of a institution or location that is less of an essential business than GameStop, especially because, like I said earlier, I've gone completely digital. And if I wanted to go get ripped off for buying games, I could do that all online anyway, and I wouldn't have to go to GameStop. So, uh, <laughs> I don't know. And that's, it's such a shitty thing to do because the CEOs and the executives that tried to make it an essential business had their managers, these poor hourly employees, trying to convince police officers with a letter that they were an essential business. We can stay open. (laughs) Uh, There's another one that I just found out about recently with GameStop and they, uh, it's, it's old news, but I just found out about it. Apparently during the Xbox series pre, maybe it's not that old. I guess it's uh, September into September. During the Xbox Series pre-order, if you went to their website to pre-order an Xbox Series X, you would be put into a queue. It said, you're in line, just wait. You don't have to refresh, just wait here. And um, we'll, you've, you've taken a number, we'll get you in to get your thing. But apparently that was a fake queue. That was a, that was a line, a digital online line that they made to divert internet traffic away from their website to relieve the stress that was put on their servers. That's so freaking shady, man. And especially because some people probably bought it and they just sat there. And then when they finally got into the store, well, we all know how that turned out. Sold out in five, 10 minutes. What the hell? Um, And I'm sure Anthony or I talked about this before, but GameStop has gotten a little bit of a saving grace because Microsoft announced a multi-year partnership with GameStop. And that's to include uh, allowing a portion of the digital game sales to go to GameStop. So basically, Microsoft just saved GameStop. And it's also good for Microsoft too, don't get me wrong, because it basically, it sets up kind of a brick and mortar storefront for their products and one with arguably a, a pretty good name recognition. I'm not saying the name is good. Like there's a lot of bad aspects to GameStop and people have a lot of negative opinions about GameStop, but people know, no GameStop and they know that's where you go or where you used to go to get games. So anyway, uh, last last week, uh, the Game, Sco- Game Scoop crew, uh, they talked about scary games. And if there were any that they just couldn't stomach their way through, and VR was brought up. And like I said, I'm about to become a proud uh, VR family. So if there, were, if there were any games that they couldn't just make it through, and like with VR and with horror games in general... It's not like a horror movie where you know the end is coming up. You have to you relive the same horrific experiences and if you can't beat a level you have you're forced to go through it again and again 
uh, just to pass a part of the game. And so they talked about um, several times where they were not able to finish a game because it was just too real. I have not even considered that. I don't play many horror games in general. I played Outlast here earlier in the year, and I finished that, and that was a... It was a good game, but it was very scary. I hadn't even considered I'd be so scared to put on the VR headset to see if there was some monster, some creep, some murderer stalking up behind me. So I I kind of had a question with this, and Anthony and I used to do this all the time on the podcast where I'd ask him a question, he'd ask me a question. Um, but I was genuinely curious, uh, Anthony, are there any, any games that, turned you off because you just couldn't stomach them, whether it's for this reason, them being a horror game and it was too terribly creepy for you. Um, I'm not saying you're a weenie, man. I'm just saying maybe it was too creepy or maybe you like the story, but the, the controls were just so bad. Was it, is there any, ever been a specific game that has turned you off for one reason or another? That you just couldn't, you couldn't make it through. I, I personally, I go through games all the time that I don't finish, but I don't necessarily uh, leave them incomplete because I couldn't stomach it or it wasn't a good game or it didn't have exciting or engaging elements to it. I just don't, I just don't finish them. I just walk away from them. I have been watching a show on Netflix called The Haunting of Bly Manor. If you haven't seen this one, it's... So, just like with horror games, I'm not much of a horror movie or television show buff. I I don't know if I'm just getting more sensitive in my old age or not, but that stuff, it creeps me out. And I don't like getting scared. I don't, I don't like getting the jump scares. So this one, I was hesitant to watch, but my wife wanted to watch it. So we're watching this, The Haunting of Bly Manor. And it is a horror show, but it is, it's one that, it doesn't depend wholly on jump scares. And it's not particularly gory, but it is very suspenseful. It makes you ask a lot of questions and there's some pretty good foreshadowing. Now, I don't know if it's for, I can never tell if it's foreshadowing or not, or if it's retconning. Cause like in the later episodes and you see flashbacks relating to things that happened in earlier episodes, whatever it is, it's pretty predictable. I've already guessed a, a couple of the main plot points as the, as it has gone along. But basically to not spoil the show for you, but maybe entice you to watch it on your own. It uh, follows a nanny who, an au pair who goes to this English countryside manor where uh, two children have lost their parents and their previous au pair due to perhaps questionable circumstances. And Bly Manor, uh, as you will be able to tell early on is haunted or there's some strange things that are going on that are amiss and the children may know something about it and there's a live-in housekeeper and there's a cook that comes in from town because he's taking care of his mother and 
you might be surprised to find out that the au pair that they've hired has some skeletons in her closet as well. Ooh, that was good. I think I could write these things. I could advertise for your shows, Netflix. Give me a call. Culture Jack, Dustin, The Friday Show. That's what we're, what we're watching, what we're listening to right now is The Haunting of Bly Manor. Uh, in other movie news, Christopher Nolan, he had some things to say about Tenet and Hollywood learning the wrong lessons from its box office gross. Now, if you don't remember, Tenet was the, I'm going to say the first big tentpole movie to be released in the midst of all this coronavirus stuff. Most of the other, other movies are, or most of the other, other studios are moving their movies out to 2021 uh, or later on in the year. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment, but Christopher Nolan and uh, who released that? Probably Warner brothers as well. They said, we're going to release tenant and we're going to make millions off of it. Well, they made $50 million here in the U S and about 350 million worldwide. So no doubt that was enough to break even on the film. I can't imagine it uh, running up too much higher than 350 million or up to 350 million. But he said, I am worried that the studios are drawing the wrong conclusions from our release. That rather than looking at where the film has worked well and how it can provide them with much needed revenue, they're looking at where it hasn't lived up to pre-COVID expectations. And we'll start using that as an excuse to make exhibition take all the losses from the pandemic instead of getting in the game and adapting or rebuilding our business, in other words. So, regardless of how you feel about the whole coronavirus pandemic and how it's being handled in your town, your state, your country, your nation, there are a good deal of people who don't feel comfortable going back out to the theater yet. And so I think there does need to be a massive readjustment of your business model. And that I think is going to, to be a big part of more and more movies being put on this video on demand or onto streaming services like Disney plus. We talked about soul being released on Disney plus where the hell is black widow. Get that thing out there. Disney plus do it, please. I don't think you can just open the theaters and force your movies into them and have them magically make money when there aren't people going to the theaters. People need to feel comfortable to go back out again. And when you do open up the theaters, well, make us a, make us an offer. We can't refuse. (laughs) We can't confuse. I can confuse a lot of things. The words coming out of my mouth for one. Sell cheap discounted movies. Give us, give us great deals on concessions coming back into the theater. Give us more comfortable seats. I don't know. Seats have gotten really comfortable in theaters. I fall asleep every time I go in one. That's not true. I don't. In other movie news, Wonder Woman 1984. It's got a release date. 
of 1225. A lot of people are thinking that it's looking like it might be delayed again. And that's according to, according to deadline. And the word is uh, that some people have speculated maybe it would go for a shorter theatrical release before it's released onto video on demand. Uh, but Warner Brothers, it says that is off the table. So um, it might move. It might move before the end of the year if things aren't looking stable for these theaters. And you know where I stand. I think just like Black Widow, 1984 should be released direct to direct to HBO Max. Do it. Have it premiere right next to that Zack Snyder cut of the Justice League. Um, but a lot of people think, a lot of analysts think that this move, if Wonder Woman moves again, it could be the catalyst for other moves that would further hurt theater chains. And theaters like AMC is already teetering on the edge of bankruptcy should the movie theater in- industry die no I don't think so necessarily but should we continue to prop up an industry that no one is using no one is going to right now and a lot of people say that if it's not going to be the big guys that go down it's going to be these small mom and pop movie theaters And then when movie theater business picks up again, all these big chains will have purchased them and it will just be the big chains. But AMC is not a mom and pop shop. I'm telling you. So maybe it's just better that theaters die or we put them into some hibernation. We bring them back out after everything's all settled. I don't know what the answer is. I would like to see Wonder Woman 1984. I would like to see Tenet and I would like to see Black Widow. So please release it to Disney+. Plus. There was an election this last Tuesday here in the United States. Many votes were cast. Many initiatives voted up or down. And some power shifted across across the country. As this podcast airs, votes are still being counted right now. And we stay pretty apolitical on this show, or we try to at the very least. But I did want to talk about one ballot measure that passed in uh, California. And I have to bring up this article here. It's from The Verge. Um, Uber and Lyft drivers are not employees after all, California voters say. So they had uh, this Proposition 22. It was the most expensive ballot measure in California history. And basically, Lyft and Uber had this had this proposition not passed would have been forced to classify their workers as employees which they're not presently uh because there was another law AB5 that um would offer drivers full protections uh to include everything that comes with employment you know whether it's workplace injury um or other things, benefits, that sort of thing. Now, this proposition is still going to apply uh, benefits and minimum hourly earnings. So the the drivers are not getting nothing out of this, uh, but they will they'll be considered, I believe, independent contractors. Um, Uber and Lyft said that. Oh no, it, 
if Uber had to hire its drivers, the uh, Uber's CEO, oh, I'm going to mess this up, Dara Koshroshahi. Dara Koshroshahi. I'm so sorry, Dara. I, I screwed it up so bad. But he said that if Prop 22 failed... Uber had to hire its drivers. He said he would only have room for 280,000 workers instead of the current 1.4 million who currently use the app. So I thought that was pretty interesting. So if you're a Uber or a Lyft driver, I know that's not out of our normal purview, but I thought it was an interesting thing that came out of this election cycle. Other things have come out of this election cycle, too. I guess um, in Florida, they've raised the the minimum wage to $15 an hour. And I guess in Washington, you can do whatever kinds of drugs you want, and they're decriminalized. Of course, they're still illegal on a federal level, but uh, go crazy. Is it Washington? I think it's Washington. Anyway, that's all the news that I have uh, for you today. Like I said... I am so terribly sorry. I had a, a nice piece and I, uh, that made me sound very perverted and very braggadocious. And I'm so sorry for that. I had a thing that I was going to talk to you about today, but unfortunately did not get it done. So I will at some other point, but that's going to be it for the Friday show today. I hope, uh, I hope you guys have a a good weekend. Now I always am telling you, just review the show, please leave a review leave four or five stars. I mean, you can leave, you can leave less stars, but it would really hurt my, my, my feelings. (laughs) Uh, the algorithm rewards those podcasts that are more regularly engaged with. And so if you can more regularly engage with me and Anthony, we would appreciate it very much. I hope you have a good weekend and stay tuned because on Monday, Culture Jack will be back with the Monday Madness Show with Anthony. So tune in to that. Have a good weekend. Cheers. <laughs>